So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. <laughs> See, Graham, that's called humility. Yeah, that's, that, that's what that was. And it's very, very attractive in people. Alien concept. FYFI, yeah. Smashing Security, episode 124, Poison Porn Ads, The A-Word, and YYY Wipro, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 124. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. It's good to be back, and here I am in full voice again. Oh, yes, we couldn't wait. <laughs> No, it was it was a bit. It you know there was a lot of time last week. Actually, you know there was a lot more time than we're used yeah. to. Yeah, we didn't have to do the show in full. Did you like that? No, no. I missed oh, you. You missed me. Oh, and uh, we're joined <laughs> this week. <laughs> very odd. We're joined this week by a special guest. It's Ireland's tallest leprechaun, independent consultant Brian Honan. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hey, Graham and Carol. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so glad you've made it onto our show. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a while, so it's uh, it's I'm looking forward to it. Be gentle. So, Brian, <laughs> Brian, you are one of Ireland's what? What leading security experts? You're always in the press. You're speaking at conferences. Yes, you're pretty big deal, aren't you? You're pretty big deal. Well, I, I would you're never jealous? say that. I'd never say that, but uh, I try and contribute where I can. <laughs> See, Graham, that's called humility. Yeah, that's, that, that's what that was, and it's very, very attractive in people. Alien concept. FYFI. Yeah. Carol, what's coming up on this week's show? Well, on this brand new episode of Smashing Security, Graham, you're heading to the casinos to hang out with a few high rollers. Brian heads to India to give us the lowdown on some nasty data breach. And I'm diving headfirst into a sea of digital assistance. This and so much more coming up on Smashing Security. So chaps, chaps, I am going to start off this week with a quiz. Okay. Cool. Yeah, good fun, eh? Now, you two are going to be working together. You're on a team together. I am the quiz master. I'm going to say <laughs> a word. Of course you are. Of course, of course you are. Of course I am. You can run your own quiz if you want to ask me questions. I'm going to say a word, and you're going to consult amongst yourselves and tell me what the word means without looking it up. <laughs> without what? Without looking it up. Okay. Right? Without doing anything like that. No cheating. 
So Wait, you want to just word. embarrass us on... Uh... No, I'm testing your knowledge. Maybe you'll be able to work it out because you're both clever people, okay? First up, first up, what does macrophilia mean? Macrophilia. Well, okay. I, I think that's so easy enough. That's someone yeah. who likes large spreadsheets. <laughs> a big fan of clippy <laughs> yeah exactly a lover of the big a lover of the big yeah are we right a love of big things yeah like yeah. the eiffel tower or something like that yeah or i don't know you know big strong hunky men well according to my internet research yes according to my internet research it's not just ordinary big people it's especially big people it's not basketball players it's like attack of the 50 foot woman so if you had a particular <laughs> thing about being crushed by a huge woman you might be a macrophiliac so my husband is 64 does that make me a macrophiliac no that's pathetic he really needs to work harder i'll let him know we've got ireland's biggest leprechaun on the line right now yeah. Carol. he's, he's not gonna be impressed by that is he what is he 510 <laughs> <laughs> okay close. there you go boom <laughs> next up, next up is spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. Any ideas on that one? Spectro. Does that do with sight? Uh, or spec- James Bond, Spectre. Oh, yeah. No, huh? no but almost. Uh, kind oh, of, really? Uh, yeah, almost. Kind of spectre, possibly. It's obviously love. <laughs> it's a love of something, isn't it? It's a love of ghosts. So people who want oh, yeah. to. Oh, people, yeah. People who want to get down and dirty with a, uh, a phantom. Kate, uh, what are you doing might... all the sex stuff with? Feel like doesn't mean yeah, these are all, all <laughs> fetishes. <laughs> all right, next, means... flautulophilia. Flautulophilia. I don't even want to go there. That smells terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're trying to trap us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's. Let's. I think go. it's. I think it's uh, flutes. Lover of well, flautists. Lover of flautists. Blow it, I suppose. But anyway, it's uh, uh, well, guys. This this has gone out in Ireland, and flutes have a completely different. Uh, connection in ireland and uh, oh, particularly they? on this topic yes they do, do they mr leprechaun they do yes <laughs> I, I i play the flute a bit would it be unwise for me to play the flute in ireland or would that be uh, <laughs> public it would be yes okay <laughs> i've opened the inyondo door and finally hibernophilia right? right? uh, oh sorry it's to do with farting um, oh hibernophilia hibernophilia people people love irish people hibernia. people who love you're sleeping. absolutely right <laughs> really Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> we all love Irish people and the Irish culture here. So we're all hibernophiliacs. Now, if you're interested in exploring your particular sexual fetish online. Oh, this by... has jumped. This has jumped left. No, because these quick. are all potentially sexual fetishes, which I've meant. Now, if you're interested in exploring any of those by visiting porn sites, I strongly recommend that you install an ad blocker first, right? Makes sense to install an ad blocker. In fact, I think we'd agree that it probably makes sense to install an ad blocker most of the time you're on the internet, not just on porn websites. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. advertising loads of right. reasons for it. Yep. Now, it would have been particularly helpful to you uh, if you wanted to protect yourself from a criminal scheme run by a British criminal called Zane Keezer. That's a good old English name. Yeah. <laughs> now, Zane or Keezer. Zane, he's confused me now. Zane Keezer. Uh, from Barking in Essex. He was living the high life, which probably means he managed to get out of Barking in Essex. <laughs> he was booking himself into high-end hotels. He was buying drugs. He was hiring prostitutes. He was buying £5,000 Rolex watches. And he was spending £68,000 in just one London casino. So like all good criminals who's keeping a low profile. Exactly. <laughs> 
responsible individual. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You know, well, he was doing quite well for himself. I mean, all that despite being registered unemployed and living with his mum. Lovely, lovely. You no, know, he was living quite an adventurous life. Now, you may be wondering, how on earth did he manage all I'm of that? I'm guessing there's something illegal coming up. He was using the online handle of King, where the I was an exclamation mark because he was cool like that. <laughs> I like know, I like hackers. that. Actually, so, I'm going to no, give him a hat tip for that. Do yeah, you? I like it. Well, it's, it's, it's a change from a war. It's like an upside down I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hooked up with a bunch of Russian cyber criminals when he was in his late teens and he dreamt up a dastardly scheme. He was a computer science student, so he knew his way around a computer a bit, but he was was young, but he was also fairly intelligent and, you know, was, you know, able to string a sentence together. And he used those skills to build up a variety of bogus identities and fake companies. And he posed as a legitimate online advertising agency. So what he was doing was he was running an ad company saying, look, I've got customers who want to advertise things. He was going to other advertising agencies and adult websites and saying, can I book ads on your advertising network? And they were saying, oh, yes, please. Okay. However, the ads which he was putting on these websites and some very big pornographic websites were themselves poisoned with the Angler exploit kit which is a notorious uh, exploit kit, which takes advantage of vulnerabilities on unpatched computers to try and infect them with malware. So this is what we would call malvertising, right? Yeah, exactly. And which is why you have ad blockers. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why you have ad blockers to block these kind of ads, as well as all to stop tracking and things like that. So the end result is that unpatched computers visiting these porn sites were infected by ransomware, which included Reviton. And Reviton is a not a piece of ransomware which uh, encrypts your files, but instead it locks up your computer, displays a message claiming to come from the FBI or the UK police and saying that they've realised that you've been committing offences online, maybe you've been viewing child abuse material, it may claim, and that you need to pay a fine before your computer will be brought back to normal operation, before your computer will be unlocked. (laughs) Which is a pretty scary thing to happen to people, you know, because even if you haven't been looking at that kind of material, you're not going to want to take the computer down to is the it, local computer store to go and get morally, fixed. Is uh, less bad that they're doing this on porn sites than on normal sites or not? I don't think so, really. People shouldn't be punished for visiting pornography sites by getting ransomware. And I, actually, I saw a study about a year or so ago which showed that many church websites hosted more malware than pornography sites do. <laughs> Jeez. So you may not take your computer down to the local computer shop. You certainly wouldn't take it down to uh, Office World or Office Max where we heard about those Why cons not? going. Well, just if you go <laughs> if you listen to our episode from a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember about uh, the oh, scam yeah. they were pulling on people. Uh, <laughs> So you, d- right. you don't necessarily trust them. But the, the computer infected with Reviton would say you have to pay maybe up to $1,000 worth of cryptocurrency in order to unlock your computer. It'd be cheaper to buy a new PC. <laughs> it, 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 it would be, exactly. Yeah. So Kieser was managing to infect computers, and he was splitting the proceeds with his Russian-speaking buddies who were likely responsible for Reviton and the Angler exploit kit and other criminals around the world who were helping him launder the cash. And he was making really quite a lot of money. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some estimates have said way over $700,000 he managed to make from this and possibly even more, which has never been accounted for. Hmm. 
And the interesting thing is these ads, of course, which were being distributed by legitimate ad agencies and on legitimate, albeit pornographic, websites, were not going unnoticed. And the advertising agencies would sometimes come to Keezer's company and say, hey, we've noticed some of the ads you're giving us are infected. Do you think you could clean up your act oh, a little bit? Oh, but come on, Graham. The guy made 700000 or something, and they happened to notice occasionally. Surely, like, it would happen right away that someone would alert them to this. Well, you'd certainly hope so, wouldn't you? It's not always obvious which advert has actually infected you, yeah. of course, so it's hard to necessarily identify where the mm. problem may have been. I'm or sure they weren't website. looking super hard. Well, this is often the problem with, with websites using ad agencies as well, is, is that they take the ad agencies or, or the brokers at face value that the content and the ads they provide yep. are clean. Good old supply chain issue. Exactly. And uh, we, we've seen it with many websites where one in 10 adverts, one in 20 may actually contain malware, but the agencies aren't reviewing the content or checking to make sure it's clean. So it's important that websites do secure that supply chain and make sure the providers have the controls in place to keep the ads malware free. Fair point. Yeah. And I think there is this assumption all the time that, you know, the, the pipes will be clean. Yeah. Especially on the pornography sites. Imagine doing this in your own in your own home, <laughs> right? Imagine doing this. Imagine if you couldn't trust that the water coming into your house was actually going to be clean. And one in 50 times that you turned the taps on in the bath, out of the taps, rather than water, would come, I don't know, porridge or snot or some other, you know, some kind porridge of effluent. Porridge or snot. Well, well, yeah, okay. I'm just thinking, you know... Spitballing here, spitballing. But but, but, but you know, but it would obviously be unpleasant if that was to happen that regularly, just as it does with advertising networks. I might say, you know what? I'm I'm going to have a water blocker, just like I have an ad blocker, and in future I will have a big tank up on top of my house full of San Pellegrino, and I will purely wash in Evian and San Pellegrino from now on. And the bubbles might be funny as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, but it's somehow we just put up with this rubbish being drizzled out to us via all these websites, which isn't being properly checked. I don't I know would if be we up do. In the I, streets. I think most of our listeners do use ad blockers. You know, yeah, but most of our listeners do, Karul. But I'd say many of the people out there who would trust websites to have clean content would not have ad blockers yeah. in. Maybe we should have a campaign. Every listener, go out, introduce an ad blocker to one innocent person out there. Help them, save yeah, them, or even the not so innocent. They all should be protected. Even even those going to porn sites. (laughs) Like I said, a couple of these ad-broking firms noticed and asked Keezer to stop the dodgy adverts. One Canadian firm did just that. Do you know what his response to them was? He said, it'd be much better if you cooperated with me. He said, really? It's just better if we work together. We can make some serious money together. It's my way or no way. The king with an exclamation mark it's for the eye, is back, he said. And then when they rejected, when they said, no, you know, we, we don't want to spread malicious ads, he then launched a denial-of-service attack against the ad agency. Trying to force their hands. Yeah, and said to the director of one of the firms, I'm going to kill your servers, and then I'm going to send porn spam abuse complaints about your site as well. What well, a charmer. Zane is not a very nice guy. No, criminals tend not to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, this was a highly organised campaign by Keezer and his buddies. They managed to fleece millions out of unsuspecting internet users. They exploited these highly popular porn websites as well. But I think there's really a, a kind of irony here that none of the visitors to these sites would have been affected at all if they'd taken the simple precaution of enabling an ad blocker in their browser, which are typically free as well. 
But Kiza, meanwhile, he's going to be spending the rest of his, well, next six years plus in jail as a result of this. Yes, focusing on his what he did wrong here. Like he's yeah. not going to plan his next heist as soon as <laughs> he gets out. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> but wh- while we're on the topic of ransomware, I know it's quite prevalent and we focused here on what's known as police ransomware, uh, identifying individuals, but there is lots of other types of ransomware out there. Europol, the uh, EU's uh, police intelligence agency, uh, has partnered quite a lot of the security companies and certs and researchers around the world to have a website called normalransom.org, which is a free website that provides advice and information on how to prevent your systems being infected by ransomware. And if that should happen, they also enable you to download the decryption keys for some of the ransomware strains out there as well. So it'd be a good resource for some people to have in their arsenal in the event they ever have to deal with any ransomware attacks. Absolutely. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. It is a tremendous resource. Obviously, not all ransomware can be decrypted, mm-hmm. um, but some can be. And if you don't have backups or if you're unable for whatever reason to restore from a backup, it's well worth going to the nomoransom.org website to see if they have some advice or a, a tool, a safe tool to try and decrypt your files. Ooh, good tip. Absolutely. And if you don't have backups, the first thing you do at the end of this podcast is go and do some backups. Yeah. And do some more. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting, Graham, for you to come over and do that, you know. It's been over oh, a yeah. year now. All right. Okay. Maybe I'll, uh, yeah. All right. So we all run an ad blocker, don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. And on my mobile phone as well. Yeah, did um, I? And how do you feel when websites try and say, oh, you know, would you pretty, pretty please enable your ad blocker so that we can, you know, make a little bit of money because of the content we're putting out? I mean, it is, uh, as someone who produces content on my own site, I don't have ads on my site, but I can, I can kind of sympathize with them that they want some way of making cash. It just feels like ads are so grubby these days, all the tracking mm-hmm. that's going on that... I don't feel happy enabling my ad blocker or disabling. Oh, I'm, I'm the same. It's not, and it's, it's not just ads. It's it's all the pop-ups. You know, you, you go to read an article and you have to click through four or five pop-ups and do you want to subscribe to this list? Do you want to do this, that, and the other? And the experience doesn't become very pleasant. And to be quite frank, if a site says, uh, you know, you can't read our article unless you disable your ad blocker, I go, okay, I'll just see. Can I Google the article somewhere else or get it from Google Cash? Uh but, yeah. uh, I do have sympathy with large sites, etc., who look to generate revenue online. But uh, until there's some way we can make the internet a safer and secure place, those organizations will have to try and think of ways to better improve the experience. Exactly. There. It's not good enough. It's yeah. not good enough yet. It's really up to the ad networks, isn't it, to up their game and properly police this stuff or give us great big barrels full of San Pellegrino. Well, well yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brian, what's your topic for us this week? Yeah, my topic this week came to light thanks to the the, the most effective and probably famous intrusion detection system we have, known as uh, Brian Krebs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's to do with a large outsourcing firm based out of India called, uh, I hope I pronounce this properly now, I don't know if it's Wipro or Wipro, W-I-P-R-O, where mm. they have uh, are said to be investigating reports that their own IT systems have been compromised. So they're the third largest IT outsourcing company in India. And assuming that they have been a victim of a multi-month intrusion, so uh, they've had a breach for quite a few months, they're saying that it may be state-sponsored. And obviously what the big question mark this raises is that if their systems are compromised, their customer systems could also similarly 
big compromise as well because lots of information yeah. will be traveling to and from Wipro and the customers and also maybe having access into those systems for network monitoring or delivering IT services as well. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch this one play out. But it, it kind of builds on the theme of, the, of, of your piece there, Graham. Uh, it's the good old supply chain again. We need to keep make sure our, our supply chains are secure and that whatever agreements we have in place with our partners and vendors, that you maybe you've got them contractually obliged to notify you if they suffer a security breach that could impact your services and not wait till Brian Krebs puts a story out that, mm-hmm. that they can react to. <laughs> and so what have Ripro said? You know, people obviously have been contacting them saying, you know, tell us more about the breach. Are they are they all over it? Are they being responsible with information or well, they've said, uh, here's a statement from a spokesperson saying that Wipro has a multi-layer security system. The company has robust internal processes and a system of advanced security technology in place to detect phishing attempts and protect itself from such attacks. We constantly monitor our entire infrastructure heightened as of alertness to deal with any potential cyber threat. So, Oh, that is the most, of- I, I would find I that know. so offensive. To get that as a message if I was a customer. It's a non-statement, isn't it? Now, I don't know if that's a statement that they're giving out into their customers or that's just the one that they gave to Brian Krebs. To sort I, of, you know. I think there has now been an update, actually. Okay. So we're recording this on Tuesday the 16th, which is the day that they're reporting that quarterly results as well. Oh. Which is slightly <laughs> wonderful timing for them. Following the Krebs story, they have been approached by some media. They didn't give uh, Brian this quote, but they have been given this to other media. And they said they have detected potentially abnormal activity in a few accounts belonging to their employees on the network who apparently were fished. And they say that they're investigating. They've identified the affected users and they've taken remedial steps to contain and mitigate any potential impact. We don't know from this whether they are contacting affected customers. They may not even know which customers are affected now. But this is one of the problems, I think, is that many of us listening to this show may not have heard of Wipro, right? Yep. We, may, we have yep. no relationship They're with them. They're huge, though. They like, are They huge. have like almost 200,000 employees. Right, because many Western companies outsource their work to Wipro to do. I remember TalkTalk were using Wipro, for instance, and there was a big scandal a couple of years ago about TalkTalk customer service representatives abusing the database. It turned out it was actually people inside Wipro who were doing it, and obviously Hmm. those people were fired and everything when it was investigated. But this does seem to be an ongoing problem. And I think you're absolutely right, Brian, about locking down and securing the supply chain as much as possible. You have to make sure that your suppliers as secure as you are. But this isn't something you can purely do when you bring them on. You have to continually assess, Absolutely. are they doing the right job yep. to make sure they maintain hardened and secure from attacks in future? Well, it's also interesting that in this day and age of the good old GDPR, what implications this will have, not just for Wipro, but Wipro's customers. Because yeah. under GDPR, those customers could potentially be the data controllers who are responsible for personal data. And if any personal data of their clients or staff has been compromised in this breach, when not only are Wipro's customers are potentially liable, but also Wipro themselves as a data processor could be potentially liable. So th- this could have uh, large implications, not just from a, a cybersecurity point of view and supply chain, but also GDPR. Uh, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on this one and see what happens. Absolutely. So I think we're not only concerned about the breach which has affected them, but who Wipro's customers are who may have been impacted by this, because then it may really come home to us. Oh, my word. 
you, me, Grohl, whoever, you know, we're impacted by this too. Yes. Yep. It's not just some company in India that has, has been hacked. It could be one of the companies you've given your information to. Right. Well, oh, cheery. No. Thank you uh, for that, Brian. Nice, oh, nice to uh, you. Yeah. Know. <laughs> Have you listened to the show before, Brian? <laughs> yes, I thought, I thought that I'd bring it, you know, bring it up a level. <laughs> Some gravitas. Yeah, no, good, good. Carol, what's your story for us this week? So we're interrupting the recording for a quick news update. Everything you've heard so far was recorded on Tuesday, the 16th of April. Actually, it was recorded while the Wipro earnings call was going on, which was obviously quite awkward for them as they'd just suffered uh, a security incident. Well, who do you imagine called into the earnings call? None other than Brian Krebs himself, the man who first revealed that they had suffered a security breach and he was less than impressed that they had claimed some of the reporting of the breach was inaccurate. And so he asked for some clarification. Well, I managed to get a hold of a recording of the earnings call, and uh, I've included it now for your edification. The next question is from the line of Brian Krebs from Krebs Security. Please go ahead. Hi. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is Brian Krebs from Krebs on Security. I'm, I'm the reporter who wrote the story yesterday about the security incident at WePro that was discussed earlier. Uh, thanks for taking my question. One of the gentlemen speaking uh, in response to a question earlier said the incident, uh, said the original report in the news media was incorrect on several points. And I was just curious if you could clarify what points in the story were, were an error given um, that you guys made me wait three days for a statement which didn't address any of the points brought up by my sources. Um, could you also, could you just please clarify what points, you know, what, what points in particular were wrong about the story and also how would you clarify the current situation? You know, does what does we believe that it has this situation under control? Where would you characterize the company in terms of its process of going through and finding out the extent of this incident? Thank you. Hi, this is uh, Manu here. Uh, so we can, uh, I can definitely clarify to you what we observed. Uh, uh, so we can have a separate conversation, right? You and I, we can uh, I'll set up the time with you on that call. Uh, at the same time, I do want to stick to the statement which I told you at the beginning of this call that, uh, you know, we have looked at the incident and we have taken the steps that are required to be taken, right? And uh, we have, we have uh, continued What's your story for us this week? I'll bring us back down to where we should be. <laughs> Today, I'm going to delve into the world of A-words. What? Not assholes, Graham. Okay. But the world of digital assistants that start with an A and rhyme with eczema. Does that work? Oh. <laughs> that kind of works. Kind of works. Anorexia. That's right. Anorexia. Like that. Yes, exactly. Yes. Now, did any of you guys listen to the Gimlet podcast, Sandra? I think it was one of my pick of the weeks previously. Oh, if it's your pick of the week. No, it's, it's... <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, no, I definitely did. I've just forgotten all about it, bro. I definitely always check out all of your picks of the week. Yes. <laughs> 
Same here. Same here for you. <laughs> so the whole premise of the series is that the world thinks it's dealing with computers and algorithms when it asks questions, like, for example, Google. And they are thinking computers and algorithms are shuffling their commands around and getting things sorted. But actually, it's just a factory of humans pretending to be AI, powering the whole engine. <laughs> and Sandra is one of the people pretending to be an AI. And a lonely guy who assumes she's a bot starts chatting to her and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's great fun. I recommend it. Yeah. Well, it turns out that this sci-fi pod isn't so far from the truth. Last week, news broke that Amazon employs thousands of people around the world to eavesdrop and record what you say to the A-word digital assistants. <laughs> so effectively, the team <laughs> listens to voice recordings captured in the A-holes, E-holes speakers. The A-holes, <laughs> E-holes? <laughs> Oops, I meant A-word, A-word, E-word speakers. (laughs) Then (laughs) the recordings are, quote, transcribed, annotated, and then they're fed back into the software as an effort to eliminate gaps in elections. Oop, in (laughs) A-word's understanding of human speech and to help it uh, respond better to commands. Just to be completely clear here, Crow, you're not suggesting that when you speak to one of these dinguses, it's always responding via a human, is it? It's not always a human who says, oh, Crow's just asked for, you know, what time is Waitrose open till? I'll go and look it up. And then someone's going, five o'clock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting no. that for a second. What right. I'm saying is there are auditors that are data mining data for specific utterances, and then they're annotating them to improve performance. So let me give you an example. Okay. So if you were to ask a word for 50 cent it'd be likely denoted as a wrapper, not a monetary value, right? Oh, okay. Or if you asked it to play the, the, the's best hits, it would assume you meant the English, you know, post-punk band, not you stuttering, (laughs) right? Right, okay, yes. Now, according to the Bloomberg article who broke this story, this is how it works. A mix of contractors and full-time Amazon employees, these guys are based internationally from like the US to Romania to Costa Rica, and these, Why pro? <laughs> right? <laughs> these guys work nine-hour shifts, and they oh, parse nice. as many as a thousand audio clips during that time. So that's like more than a hundred an hour. It's, it's, wow. uh, it's, it's demanding, yeah. How many podcasts is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's pause for a second. So what do you make of this so far? So you guys are a bit geekier than I am, and I mean that with the best respect in the world. <laughs> <laughs> With respect. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it make sense that these voice assistants are being helped along by human brains, right? People to knock out glitches or iron out inconsistencies just to make the service better. Or do you think people are being missold on that? Well, maybe because I am geeky, uh, I've always had a mistrust of these devices. Uh, and I always yeah. assumed that there is somebody listening at at some point. Not that somebody's actively listening to the device on a 24 by 7 basis, but that uh, snippets could be reviewed at some stage. Because they'd have to be. You know, it's the same as we are monitoring this phone call for, you know, for performance and for quality assurance. Yeah, but the issue being, though, is I... So we have an Alexia uh, device in our house, and I don't recall, and maybe it's because... You know, the, 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 as Miko Hipnan says, the, the biggest lie on the internet is I've read the terms and, and conditions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't recall any big sticker or anything on the device saying, be aware, everything you say in front of this device will be 
could be eavesdropped by by third parties. I would imagine in that this is how they would defend it. I would imagine if this is a going on, it would be occasional. It would be to improve the performance. They would be keeping no record as to who said mm-hmm. what or identifying which device or where its location mm-hmm. is. But wasn't there a fair, I, I fair famous case there, Graham? Sorry to cut across you there. But hmm. a year or so ago, didn't the police in some US city look to Amazon to give them any recordings from Alexa de- an Alexa device where a murder happened? You know, we, we just can't assume anything we say is not being recorded and... No, and I think I think you're both actually right. I think, Graham, from what I'm reading, only a small subset are taken. So, for example, they might yeah. be thinking of, you know, say 50 cents, right? So they're going to go through and they're going to make sure it's categorized properly so that when people come into the device at different modes, it will hopefully, you know, bring it to the right 50 cent they were looking for at the time. I think upshot number one is Amazon, Apple, and Google all employ staff, and they've all admitted this to the BBC, who listen to customer voice recordings from their smart speakers and voice assistant apps, right? And they do this to improve performance. So they've all agreed to this. Mm -hmm. Bloomberg sources also said that the auditors sometimes get to hear stuff that people might rather keep private. Like, for instance, someone singing very badly off-key in the shower, and it's, it's, it's Graham and Sam Pinabrin again. Yeah. <laughs> or a romantic <laughs> je ne sais quoi. Or perhaps the passing of wind, Graham. Oh, flatulophobia. <laughs> yeah, philia, phobia. Yeah. I've got a phobia. You may have a philia. Let's cool the whole thing off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these auditors admit to sharing some of these more unusual clips over an internal chat system to relieve stress or share a hilarious moment. What? Mm. Really? Yeah. Now, what do you think of that? Do you think that's naughty that they do this? That's naughty. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be sharing it. Like, hey, <laughs> take a listen to this. Yeah. yeah, but okay. I don't know. I thought that at first too, but then I thought, okay, so let's say, you know, all these thousand people that are employed to dive in and check sound recordings. So they all are privy to all that information. If they, like, isn't that the right group to share it with? Any one of them could see that information. Yeah, if you if you need some light relief at work, that's what YouTube cat videos are for. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have time. They have to do a thousand yeah. audio you don't need clips. To be laughing at the cat. Well, you, well, then you have not time to forward the funny ones. You're doing a job as an auditor to improve the system, not to mock or make fun of individuals you come across. Yeah, hey, a workday can be long. I don't know. I don't know if I feel horrid about that one. <laughs> <laughs> we just talk about how it works just quickly, right? right? So these devices are designed to continuously record snatches of audio, always listening for the wake word. I'll just get Whatever. Just get yeah. When it hears its wake word, the light turns blue on the Amazon device, indicating the device is recording and beaming a command to Amazon servers. And the algorithms use models of probability to make educated guesses, right? So if someone asks if there's a hot Italian nearby... The algorithms are probably going to assume, you know, you're looking for a restaurant, not a Fabio lookalike. Fabio. <laughs> How old's Fabio? <laughs> Fabio's going to be like... <laughs> 84. <laughs> okay, so maybe upshot number two then is that nothing that you say in front of your digital assistant is private, right? One okay. of the people told Bloomberg that the auditors each transcribed as many as 100 recordings a day when Alexa receives no wake command or is triggered by accident. And the auditors are still mandated to transcribe it. So even though they know that someone has 
accidentally been recorded saying something like, Jesus, Frank, pick up your slippers or something like that, <laughs> um, they still have to transcribe it. Well, yeah, if they, if, they, if they didn't, then I can imagine the Amazon overlord saying, how come you haven't written, <laughs> you haven't just transcribed anything today? And you say, well, Jesus, Frank was dropping a lot of slippers. You know, yeah, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a button that says, you know, accidental recording. That's it. Go to next. Because that's 10% of the number. No, my maths are amazing, as we all know. But if they're doing a thousand clips a day and a hundred of these a day are have no wake commands. So this is recording basically like someone eavesdropping in your house. And then they're mandated to transcribe it. I think that sounds a bit yeah. eh, eh. Look, no one's saying that this is a great job, right? Doing the transcriptions, right? Well, I don't know. It, it sounds- could be great fun. Sounds hilarious if someone's singing badly in the shower. Well, it does. In your in your office where you're sharing all the funny clips, then you have a great <laughs> old time. But for the people who are actually working, unlike you, Carol, it's not actually that great a job, I would I would argue, right? Well, I, I think it's more, you know, the people that have been listening to it and this is, is an intrusion on their privacy, you know? So Exactly. Yeah, totally. If, if anyone's going to get upset about this, we shouldn't be as worried about the workers. We should be worrying about the people who bought these dinguses without realising that they're going to do this. And if there's no very clear message saying, by the way, we will sometimes pick up on things you're saying and pass them on to people, whether they anonymise the location or whatever. You're making a good point. You're making a good point. Okay, ethical dilemma, because you know I love those, right? Yes, please. Give us one. Give us one. Okay. So... Sometimes auditors hear things they shouldn't hear, and sometimes it's truly ghastly stuff. Maybe someone's being beaten, or maybe there's a cry for help. Two workers said they were sure they picked up what they believed to be sexual assault. Ooh. Okay. Now, Amazon says it has procedures in place for workers when they hear something distressing. But two of the employees reported to Bloomberg that after requesting such guidance, they were told it was not Amazon's job to interfere. Oh. So I find this really interesting. So Amazon, Google, and Apple all have people powering the machines that are helping us with our day-to-day lives. They risk hearing and transcribing intimate and private things, but they also risk hearing horrific violence, for example. And do they have a moral obligation to stop that or try to stop it? You have a duty to report it. Uh, doesn't mean you have to intervene, but you should be able to act as a witness and, and, and report it so that the police can take the appropriate action. I mean, they don't, the auditor doesn't know the identity of the person. So, Graham, you were right about that. They, but they do have an ID for the actual right. device, they right? They would be able to somehow look it up or link it to a purchase. Either you could have a code on the device, right? That if the device thinks that you're in distress, you have to enter a code. Or it, you know, it can make an announcement like, we've recorded suspicious activity on the device and we're keeping it time-stamped and safeguarded until the owner you know, removes it. Or please say yes or no with the following question, do I dial 911? Well, often in those situations, Carol, you, you wouldn't even want people in the room to know that the no. information is recorded because you could put the person at greater risk. Yeah. But I don't want cops showing up at my house accusing me of something when some guy in Romania got it wrong. It may be simply a, an email or a message is sent to that person's private account. Yeah. Uh, that there's no public announcement. Oh, hey, we think you're having you're committing a crime. Do you want us to delete it? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very complicated. I mean, hundreds of millions of these dinguses have been sold, haven't they, of the various forms. And I I I wonder how many times there might be a snatch of someone shouting, you know, in the home or whatever, and you might be open to misinterpretation, or it may be something which seems, you know, rather unpleasant. If that was all to be forwarded to the police, you'd almost think the police would think, you know what, we we just can't handle this amount 
of stuff coming in because it's not clear whether a crime is being committed. We'd have to investigate it. It's very interesting. I think it's though. a very difficult one. Yeah, it is. It is. It is, and it, it's an indication, I think, of things to come in our in our world as we become more interconnected with more internet of things around the place, listening to our voices, monitoring our movements, mm. everything else. It's it, it's a big questions we have to ask as societies as to how intrusive we want this stuff to be and how do we want to protect our privacy from it. And Krul, I just want to say, you gave out to me for bringing the tone down into the <laughs> series in my topic. <laughs> Look, are you bring us here into, you know, 1984 and see that. Uh... <laughs> you, know you know what really annoys me about all this uh, is that this is all turned on by default, right? So your recordings are open for transcription by default. However, there is ways you can turn it off. Certainly in, in the Amazon thing uh, or Amazon device, you can. Yeah, at the plug. Yeah. Just turn it off. Exactly. <laughs> turn the whole darn thing off and unplug it. Job sorted. I'll have a link in the show notes that's on our website. If you're interested in turning it off, just click on it and go check it out and uh, follow the instructions. Cool. Or do what I do, set up fake email accounts and fake Amazon accounts or Google accounts uh, for the device so that it's not linked directly back to you. Oh. Sneaky, sneaky. And then swear as much as you like exactly, in the kitchen, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's my feckin' dinner? <laughs> yeah, feckin'. Yeah. So, <laughs> my feckin' dinner. <laughs> <laughs> If you're baffled by threat intelligence and how it might be able to help secure your company, the Threat Intelligence Handbook from Recorded Future is the book for you. It'll tell you what threat intelligence is and what it isn't, and you'll learn how other firms are applying threat intelligence inside their organisations. Grab it now for free at smashingsecurity.com slash intelligence. Quote, most business security breaches are the result of one thing, sloppy password practices. Effective enterprise password management is a must to ensure that your employees are properly protecting their accounts. Unquote. That's my co-host, Graham Cluley. This is what he says on the LastPass Enterprise page. And most of you know how much I hate to admit when he's right, but he is. Sloppy passwords are a huge contributor to security breaches within an organization. The way to manage that is get a password manager. And the one we recommend is LastPass Enterprise. Check it out at lastpass.com slash smashing. On with the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Brian. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Pick of the Week. <laughs> Pick of the Week is the part show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. It really shouldn't be this week, really. No, we, we cheerfully really love now. <laughs> now, my Pick of the Week this week comes from one of our loyal listeners. Ben has been in touch. Ben is from Norway, and he says that in Norway, the official broadcasting company, the TV company, they have had a number of live streams called Minute for Minute, which translates surprisingly from Norwegian to minute by minute. Thanks for that, Graham. <laughs> it is slow TV, slow TV. And for the 10th anniversary, they had this giant, well, it was fantastic. I loved this. They streamed for 30 hours continuously 
a bunch of workmen who appear to be in some sort of railway station building this huge digital clock with planks. So each segment of the clock is a different plank. And on the minute, every minute, they change the planks around to be the next digit. <laughs> and they did this for 30 hours. It's it's wonderful. It's like watching a little bunch of minions hard at work and they get their ladders up and they climb okay, up the ladders and adjust listeners, them. Listeners, I'm going to go look at it right now. You go just, look at it. Just to, I'm I'll, looking at it right now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> yeah. You can see. So far, it's just the area photograph. Uh, oh, you need to fast forward a bit. Fast forward. You're looking Graham. at the intro. Fast forward. Really? This what? is your pick of the it, week. That's a suspense, though. It's Graham. wonderful. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Carol, this is zen. This is this is this is incredibly relaxing. As you know, I'm a very kind of zen kind of guy. Okay, right? so they're now changing it from 14 minutes to 15 minutes. Wow, this is riveting. <laughs> it's 30 yes, hours. It well. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't it's watched like, it well, all. I'll look, be honest. Maybe, you. Parliamentary you know what? Debates. This makes sense. <laughs> you know, like older older people sometimes like to just sit in the park for a few hours and just watch the birds. You know this kind of thing. So I understand, and you know what? I'll understand one day. And uh, for those of you that maybe maybe more aged, <laughs> advanced just, in age, this might be. If the world's go moving too fast for you, you may just want to watch the minutes. <laughs> I do like the simplicity of it trickling by until your eventual <laughs> journey to the coffin. Jeez. I can just watch yeah. the minutes go past. Oh, wow. This episode is really cheerful, well, isn't I, it? Well, I, I really enjoyed this. We're I, talking about I, eavesdropping on crimes, and now Graham's talking about dying. Jeez, thanks for having me on, guys. You've really picked me up for the day. <laughs> All right, Brian, if you're so great, tell us about your pick of the week. Well, I like this one because who hasn't given their iPad or their computer or their device to their kids to keep them quiet for a few minutes? <laughs> uh, and this is a story about a reporter in the U.S. who gave his three-year-old uh, uh, an iPad to play with, and the three-year-old couldn't unlock the iPad, right. and he ended up locking the iPad for 25,536,442 minutes. <laughs> So it's 40 year, in 48 years' time, this gentleman, Evan Osnos, can now type in the correct uh, code to unlock his iPad. So it's not, it's not allowing any new entries on, of the code? No, no it's, it's stopped. Now, apparently it's an old iPad, so it's one of the pre... It's, it's an old version of iOS that's on the device, so... Uh, you know, it's, my husband it's, has it's, an old iPad he plays this game on, and he plays this game way too often in my book. There you go. And, uh, I'm and I know of people who have done this where they've borrowed somebody's <laughs> phone, and the phone has been locked, and they just keep repeatedly put in the wrong PIN code deliberately to lock the phone on the person. But there must be a way of resetting it. There must be some funny sequence or, or way of wiping the device. Well, or basically, something. yeah, yeah. that's why this gentleman's had to do. He's, he's had to go on completely to uh, reset the whole device right. and start it from the beginning. So, which <laughs> you would you would hope, coming back to our talk about ransomware, that he's got good backups. But he could because. tell his kid, next time the kid asks for the iPad and say, I'm afraid you have to wait until you're 52 years old. There uh, you before go. you yes. can... <laughs> And you you have negotiated with three year olds before, Graham. Right? I, I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely works. It will exactly. But I think this is interesting. You know, I know it's pick of the weekend. We're not supposed to talk about security, and it is kind of related not to security. But outrageous. Uh, but uh, I just thought it was, yeah. Who hasn't had their own moments where you've typed in their own pin codes? But uh, not for uh, forty eight years. 
So, and if I may, if I could have a, a second pick of the week, and this is something that may be close to your heart, Graham, and I actually think it is, this year the Security Blog Awards are on again. The European Security Blog Awards were open for uh, nominations. So if you're out there and you listen to a podcast that you like, please nominate it. Oh, okay. So you can vote for your favorite security <laughs> blogs, frankly.com. And <laughs> sorry, and your podcast, and there's and your podcast. video blogger, oh. and a video sorry. blogger, and tweeters. So, oh. Graham, sorry, yes. did you just plug your own site? As opposed but, to. So, Smashing Security was very, very lucky and honored to win the best security podcast last year, I believe, at these awards. So, we thank you to everyone who nominated us last year. That was terrific. And we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to vote for whatever your favourite security podcast might be this year. (coughs) (laughs) My fingers are crossed. Now, Brian, you're on the judging panel, is that right? I am, yes. You know, you've been a fantastic guest, and I think your pick of the week (laughs) this week was so much better than mine, and probably better than... The one Crow's going to come up with oh. as well. <laughs> I, Brian, Brian, I'm not going to kiss think- your B-U-T-T. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in mine. <laughs> okay, what's, let's hear your pick of the week, Crow. Okay, so I like a mug of coffee, right? I like a mug of tea. Graham, you started drinking tea recently, haven't you? I have, yeah. Right. Well, I had a big birthday, and so I've decided to occasionally drink a cup of tea just to... Liven right, things up a bit. The waterworks working. Yep. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, I'm a much bigger fan of a mug than a cup and a saucer thing. Are you? Is it, are you the same? You guys uh, are. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. Has yes. to be a mug, yeah. right? It's a bit complicated yeah. having a saucer. Exactly. The cup. It's too complicated. Yeah, I can't exactly. Cope with that. But the thing is, as many mugs are absolute crap. You know, they stain very easily. They chip within a week. The handle's too small, maybe for my big massive mitts. <laughs> <laughs> But somebody recently gave me a very lovely mug. Was it a smashing security mug from our No, it wasn't. I did oh. receive one of those, but that's not the one I'm featuring here for a right. number of reasons, Graham Clearly. Okay. <laughs> now, I've had this mug for a few months, and I love its shape, handle, quality. Plus, it has an added feature. Ooh. Check out the link. Oh, I should have sent it to you. Philosophersguild.com. <laughs> <laughs> here, I'm putting it in. I'm putting it in. Putting it in. Right. And we'll put this in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to scroll, 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 scroll. <laughs> Here, in my section. All right, let's have a look at this. <laughs> I've just read the URL, so this is going to be interesting. Do I need to turn my, keep my ad blocker on? La, 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 la. <laughs> okay, so my... Oh, my word. Right? So... Ding dong. The mug, when hot liquid is poured inside it... The dressed, the dressed um, characters go nude. Right, so oh, yeah, there's a so bunch of characters on the outside who are posing, little cute. Yep, and they're and wearing so clothes and black clothes, they're, blue they're clothes. They're wearing clothes, but yep. when the mug goes hot, their clothes disappear. Yes, and these are well-known artworks. These are from Da Vinci and Duchamp and Picasso. Joy of sex, yep. I see. <laughs> if you go look at all their mugs, if you look at, you know, uh, just the collection, they've got a number of these, like the one that I'm coveting at the moment, Mr. Graham Cluley, I'm worth $15, <laughs> is the Bob Ross mug. There's a Bob Ross yes, mug Yes, and when it's when it gets warm, his painting comes up. Oh, as long as it's just his painting. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it's Bob Ross. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's why we were is, worried. This is rude. This is blasphemy. Oh, I'm looking at the Bob Ross's yes. one right now. Isn't it glorious? Oh, that is lovely. Yes, and not as not as grubby as yes. I imagined. So, thank you very much, Lou, for buying me this amazing gift. And um, people, check out philosophersguild.com, particularly the Great Nudes mug or the Bob Ross mug. I'm sure it's equally great. <laughs> very cool. Okay. <laughs> well, on that artistic bombshell, uh, I think we just about wrapped it up for this week. Um, Brian, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? My best way, I suppose, is Twitter. So at Brian Honan, that's B-R-I-A-N-H-O-N-A-N. That's where you find me. Fantastic. And you can find us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And you can continue the discussion with us about the episode or anything else you think is interesting. On Reddit, uh, we have a group up there. You fast way to find us is smashingsecurity.com slash Reddit. And huge thanks to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, LastPass and Recorded Future. Their support helps us give you this show for free. And thank you to you guys. We'd be nowhere without you. Thank you for listening and to help us grow. Um, and an extra special high five to those who have taken the time to share their thoughts with us, rate us, review us, whatever. I know you guys are busy and we're grateful. Until next week. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Later. Cheers. And we made it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brian, for coming along. Uh, thank you for having me. Was it fun? Did you have fun? It was, yes. Which day of InfoSec are the awards on, by the way? The Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I'm just well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able I might be in Slovenia doing something, oh, so I may nice. not be able to make it this year. Kroll, are you going to try and get there? What? To InfoSec? Yeah. A Kroll? For the awards? My two favourite guys aren't there. the awards? <laughs> yeah, okay. Definitely for the awards. If we're nominated. <laughs> if people love us, Yes. You know you'll be nominated, so... You think? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Fingers crossed.